Well, if you have a Bible, please go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. However, before we start, well, first off, if you need a Bible, there's one underneath you, not underneath the chair, but kind of. I mean, it's behind you, um, or it's in way in front of you. If you would like one, go ahead. But first off, as you came in, you probably noticed that there were some brochures. For the next five weeks, what we will be doing is we will be going through community church's mission and vision. What this is, is this is what we are saying we want to be about. We want to, be, we want to see gospel transformation for God's glory. All right, and so we made up these nifty brochures for you to take home. Let me say this as clear as possible. We made these brochures for you to take home, not to collect dust, not to make it to the garbage can, okay? We made these for you to take home, and this is going to be the challenge for a little while. I want you to pray about who you can give this to. After you've gone through this yourself and you've read it and you know it, I want you to pray about who then you can give this to, a friend of yours or a family member of yours that you've been praying for maybe for the past 10 years that you've just desperately wanted them to either come to know the Lord or come to church. All right, so this is for your benefit. And as you can see on the, the front, we have our mission. We have our vision that we are People who want to see gospel transformation for God's glory. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about gospel transformation. And it's not to become morally better people in this life. It's for the sole purpose of worshiping God. If you then look at the back, you will see the three steps of how we plan on getting there. Gospel transformation just doesn't happen takes time and energy and a fight. And so how we are going to pursue gospel transformation in our lives is to know God better. That's where it starts. You want to experience gospel transformation? Get to know God. And from there, then we want to be dedicated to loving one another just as Christ has loved us. And lastly, as we then are loving one another, we want to take that out into the community. We want to serve the community so that they can experience gospel transformation for themselves. Because when you have truly experienced the life-changing power of the gospel, and you are doing it for the sole purpose of worshiping God, you will want everybody to get in on it. <laughs> and so then if you look on the inside, you'll see then what we're about and how we also do this, how we gather, how we relate, and then how we will equip. equip it. It's just going into greater detail of how then we can accomplish these things. And so before we start this sermon, we have a little video that we would like you to watch. Community Church of Appleton started in the fall of 1987. And since then, Appleton and the Fox Valley have seen an explosion of growth. Appleton has grown by 15,000, and the Fox Valley is now home to over 400,000 people. So what does this mean? It means that there is more gospel work to be done. And how can we do that here? By seeing gospel transformation for the glory 
of God. You see, that day you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you confessed that you can't save yourself and live up to the standard of God's law. But Jesus can, and Jesus perfectly has. On that day, you experienced the most magnificent thing. God took your heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. And not only that, he put his spirit within you. He gave you a heart of flesh that beats after him and his spirit so that you could worship him and grow in Christ-likeness. This is so that we could experience faith-driven, lifelong gospel transformation. God didn't do this gospel transformation just so we could be morally good people. In fact, he did this so that we would glorify him. We experience gospel transformation to glorify God the rest of our lives. Gospel transformation that glorifies God looks like when we crack open our Bible and know God personally and intimately. And from there, then as we are reading and getting to know God, we see that we've been called to love one another like Jesus has loved us. And when we are growing in our love for God and our neighbor, we will want to serve our community. We will want to see our community experience the same type of love that we've experienced. And we will want them to experience gospel transformation for themselves. You see, gospel transformation for God's glory happens every day in ordinary circumstances. Gospel transformation isn't the ABCs of the Christian faith. It's not just for the unbeliever. Gospel transformation is the A through Zs in the Christian faith every single day, which brings glory to God. And we long to see people everywhere we long to see our city. We long to see the world being transformed by the gospel for God's glory. All right, so I got an extra mic just in case. But guys, this is, this is what we want to be about. And this is what this, this is. This series is simply just an invitation to join us. And we're going to see this morning in 2 Corinthians just the, the profound implications and, and the life-altering reality that the gospel has in a, per, in a person's life. Before, before we, we start, just one more thing, okay? So because we're super serious about this, we, we got three um, gospel transformation study Bibles, and these are free. No strings attached. This isn't that Bill is going to be asking you. So you getting in it? You, you, you reading? This is free. This is for you. I just want to quickly read the inside of the flap, and then afterwards, if you would like one, just come up and, and grab one. So this is the Gospel Transformation Study Bible. It's an ESV. It's from Crossway. And so here's what the insight says. We miss the point of biblical passages if we only identify their rules, morals, and examples, but do not see the grace that provided the instruction, the grace that will be needed to carry it out, and the grace that must compensate for our failure in the face of God's commands. The ESV Gospel Transformation Study Bible gets to the gospel root of every chapter of Scripture, helping readers understand how grace flourishes across centuries, countries, personalities, 
to culminate in the life-transforming provision of Jesus Christ, changing not only how we read the Bible, but also how we love and live for him. There are three up here afterwards. If you would like one, please just take one. It's yours. But with that being said, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to read our passage, and then let's dive in. Father, we ask that you would give us soft hearts this morning, that as we pursue the life transforming power of the gospel of the good news the fact that the kingdom of god is actively at work right now that we would be transformed today that we would take this time serious that we would love you and your word seriously and that if there are those here this morning that have just been fooling themselves wanting to be morally good people instead of gospel transformed people that you would convict them of their sins that they would repent and trust in the only thing that brings good news your son jesus if there are those that are weary and feel like they've been stagnant in their walk would you use this to ignite a passion father if there are those who are weary would you encourage them would you remind them of their inheritance, of their sonship, of their daughtership. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said earlier, we are today specifically looking at the gospel transformation aspect of this mission. It'll be gospel transformation this Sunday, next Sunday, for God's glory, and then we will go through the know, love, and serve aspect of our mission and vision. But today, we're taking a look at gospel transformation, which is seriously such an incredible reality when you take time to actually think through what this means for a human being. You know, when I was younger, my older brother had these books. You know, the 90s made some of the strangest um, kids' books alive. He had this series called The Animorphs. And it was all about this teenage group who, who would, I mean, seriously, who comes up with this stuff? Who, who these teenagers would turn from teenagers into animals. They would experience this kind of metamorphosis. That's, that's a tough word to say, metamorphosis. You see, but this is the, the reality and the implications of gospel transformation is that when you experience gospel transformation, it's not this metamorphosis, it's this divine reality that happens at a moment's notice. Boom! When you experience gospel transformation, it happens. It's not a slow process. You see, but what we will look at specifically today is that although there is a time and point where it just happens, there also is a period of your life where then you continue to experience transformation. And so what we will look at today is more of this theological term called regeneration and then sanctification. Regeneration means that salvation happens to you immediately when you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Sanctification means that it's the working out of your salvation. 
all right? But here's, here's the problem. Like, let's, let's just be real with one another. This is the problem with us, is that far too often when we experience gospel transformation, we would rather continue to live like the old self than the new self. It's easier. And so we would rather settle living as our old selves than living as a child of God. And when we do that, we are cheapening God's grace. And in order to best understand what this gospel transformation means is we need to just, we just need to flat out and lay it out there and understand what it means that we are our old selves. So I promised that I would read the verse. I'll confess, I almost didn't. I almost just forgot. So let's read it now. (laughs) Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. And so, guys, this is what we need to do right now. We just need to take a look at what it means to be old. Because the implication, not, not old, I, I don't know what that's like. I could, t- I could talk to some of you guys. But, but here is, here's the reality. When, what Paul is talking about right now is he's saying that you are a new creation. He is telling the Corinthian church this. If you don't know the Corinthian church very much, this is the very church that was going around and bragging to people. We don't quite have a liberal church like this. This, this church, this Corinthian church, was going around and bragging to people that they were so inclusive that they had a member of their church that was going around and sleeping with his father's wife. And now he is reminding them in this second letter that he is writing, look, you're a new creation. The old has gone. But like I said, for us to understand what it means to experience gospel transformation, we have to be reminded of our old selves. We have to be reminded of what the old creature was like. And the best image that I have is if you're a Lord of the Rings fan or if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings or you know what it is, our old selves is like Gollum. Gollum is this just totally gross and disgusting creature. Some of you you are thinking right now, see, you just called me totally gross and disgusting? It's exactly what I just called you if you're following along. (laughs) He is totally and utterly consumed with himself and what he calls his precious. Being an old creature, this is exactly who we were. In fact, the Bible explicitly tells us that we are dead in our sins. We are dead, complete and utterly dead. No pulse. Take it another step further. Actually, we are enemies of God. And this isn't like the... the well, I'm just, it's not that I'm, I'm an enemy of God. It's just I really don't interact with them very much. And so I keep them at an arm's length. So we don't have beef or anything. We're, we're kind of cool. 
but I just don't really interact with them very much. No, that, that's impossible. You are an enemy of God as an old creature, consumed with yourself. And that's the very reason why you're an enemy of God, is because God deserves all of our worship, and yet what we do as old creatures is we worship ourselves. Only God deserves glory, and yet what we do as an old creature is we turn that in and we worship ourselves. We worship the things around us. And because of that, God's just wrath looms over our head. Look, this is just, I'm, this is just what the Bible teaches. This is what it means to be an old creature. One who is totally consumed with themselves. One who is only concerned about their power, their control, their approval in this life. Because we want to be worshipped. And so we are enemies of God. We are these disgusting creatures that go around talking about their precious. You see, Gollum wanted this ring. It's all about this ring. And he called it my precious. And the dude went so far as when it was on another person's finger to bite that finger clean off. And this is how we are when it comes to our idols. We go around saying, my precious, my work. Because we need that power in or we go around saying, my precious, my money. Or my precious, my, my kids, my family. And so we create these idols in our lives. Why? Because at the end of the day, the old creature wants to be God. But here is the amazing part of gospel transformation. Here is the life-shaking, reality-altering implications of the gospel. Is that Paul tells us, and this is amazing, Paul tells us that God's kindness, our enemies kindness leads us to repentance. <laughs> it leads us to repentance. So his kindness leads us to repentance. Yes, there's just judgment for those that continue to worship themselves. There's divine wrath that will happen to those who die without trusting in Jesus. 
But we are told that we have a God who created us, who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and whose kindness leads us to repentance. This is the most beautiful thing that could possibly happen to an enemy. Look, if I have an enemy, I'm just going to be honest here, my kindness is is not going to lead them to repentance. It might lead them to a couple of broken kneecaps. Right, that's, and that's, that goes for all of us too, doesn't it? Like we would rather see our enemies suffer than be so kind to them that it leads them to repentance. And yet this is exactly what God does with us. Is that while yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the one whom we put to death, the one whom we killed because of our sins, says No, sin does not have the last say in this. Sin doesn't have the last word in this. I do because I'm God. And my last word says this. Those who trust me can have everlasting life. Why? Because I love them. Because I'm kind to them. And in a Moments notice, our hearts go from stone. Stone. That's how the human being's heart is talked about as an old creation. A stone. I don't know if you've ever seen a stone, but they're pretty cold and boring. I'm sorry if you collect rocks. It's lifeless. It just sits there. It doesn't feel. And this is how our hearts are talked about. And when gospel transformation takes place in the human heart, there is, uh, in your heart, your heart of stone is taken out, and you are given a red-blooded, flesh-like heart that beats after the things of God. (laughs) This is his kindness. Not only then does he do that, he gives you his spirit. Look, this is a work that you and I could never possibly do. We could never possibly perform surgery on ourselves like this. but we see that God does this. He does this magnificent work in our heart, and so the old is gone. The old is is gone. In a moment's notice, the old is completely wiped out. You are no longer what what you once were. The heart is taken out. The stone is thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. And no longer do you walk around as an enemy of God, but now as a child of God because of the righteous robes of Jesus Christ. Those who are in Christ, Paul tells us right here, is a new creation. And that's you and I, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We're a new creature. And so the old person is completely gone. That's wonderful news. 
This means that there is nothing on this earth that you could have possibly done to deserve this. This means that it doesn't matter how deep you were into the sinful lifestyle. It doesn't matter how many people you've slept with in the past. It doesn't matter how addicted you were to anything. When Jesus comes into your heart, when he comes into your life, when God rips that heart of stone out, he gives you a fleshly heart that beats after him. I mean, this is the good news of the gospel. This is exactly why we're, why we're here today. It's because a bunch of misfits from all over the world, cross generations, coming, about, coming from different backgrounds, experience this magnificent experience. <laughs> if this doesn't excite you, or, or as a, a friend of mine says, if this doesn't get your, get your getter going, then you ain't got a getter. This is the wonderful news of the gospel. It's that the old is gone. It's dead. It's disappeared. And the new has come. Solely because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Look, God doesn't look at you if you're in Christ as some misfit anymore some enemy anymore he looks at you with complete and utter pleasure because of what his son has done for you i once heard it like this you can never get any more justifying than you already are right now you can't work to increase your justification as if somehow that will please God more. No, in Jesus, he has done all of that perfectly. You know what? But, but here's then the nagging reality, though. Is you can't get any more justified, but there is this thing in you called indwelling sin that continues to pester you. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We still continue to sin. If that wasn't the case, then John, one of Jesus' disciples, wouldn't have wrote to a group of people and said, hey, look, you're acting like a bunch of fools by saying that there's no sin in you. Because if you say you don't have any sin, then you're a liar. And this is the, the pesky reality of sin, is that it continues to pester us. It continues to nag at us. And so although we are seen as completely righteous in the Father's sight, as though we're seen as completely perfect in the Father's sight, we still wrestle with sin. And so we just saw how gospel transformation extends to salvation. And that moment that you experience the transforming powers of the gospel, you are set right with God. And yet, we still need to experience gospel transformation for the rest of our lives. As you heard in the video, which I totally ripped off from Tim Keller, 
the gospel isn't the ABCs of the Christian life. And this is how we tend to treat the gospel. We get bored with it. And when we get bored with the gospel, it ceases to transform us. When we get bored with the gospel, then we need a serious heart check. Because either we came to the gospel for something, or we haven't come to the gospel at all. Either we've come to the gospel because of Jesus, or we haven't come to it at all. And yet in this life, we're still tempted to stray. And so here we need to now understand the sanctification process, this continued process of being transformed into the likeness of the son of Jesus, of our big brother. Okay, maybe this last point is just for me because I feel like I'm looking out right now at a bunch of people who just ate glazed ham. <laughs> so maybe I just confessed I'm not perfect, but all of you out there are, are already have it together, which in that case, then maybe I should be sitting and you should be up here. But, but here, here it is. Guys, the rest of our life consists of being transformed into likeness and image of Christ. And far too often, tragically, we think we don't need it. And oftentimes, we know we need it, but then we don't do anything about it. So I know there's this nagging sin in me because the Holy Spirit is in me now and I feel conviction after doing what I once did completely fine. I do it now and I feel conviction. Uh, but it's a good stress reliever. But I really don't want to have to confess that because there will be shame and guilt. And yet, Scripture tells us confess sins to one another. There's more shame and guilt that you bottle up when you don't confess that sin than when you do confess it. And so first thing, you want to experience gospel transformation. You want to experience, as Paul is saying in the rest of, of this, this chapter, really, reconciliation or the power of transformation. Confess. Confess your sin to God. Confess your sin to one another. Bring sin to the light and let God's grace shower over you. You see, gospel transformation starts there. It started there when it came to experiencing salvation. Confess your sins. Next, gospel transformation takes place in your heart continuously when you are in your word. And I'm talking about like in the Bible, reading scripture. I think Bible studies are a great tool, but if that is your meal constantly, then you are cheapening the experience of gospel transformation. Hey, you know what? There are 
brilliant people who write great Bible studies. But there is nothing like getting into the word of God for yourselves and wrestling with the passage. I love Panda Express. <laughs> Absolutely do. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I'm going somewhere. <laughs> I love Panda Express. But guys, if, if I have the choice to eat at a Michelin, it's like a five-star rated restaurant for free, or I have Panda Express, and I know at this restaurant I'm going to get a steak that is medium rare, still has a little bit of a pulse maybe. <laughs> I'm going to go to the restaurant that's five stars. It's not that, like I said, it's not, I love Pan Express. It's not that it's bad. It's just going straight to the Bible is better. So you want to see gospel transformation continue to happen in your heart? Pick up the Bible and continue to read it and read it again and read it over. Do not stop. Fight. Press on. Thirdly, you want to see gospel transformation then? Live in fellowship with your brothers and sisters. You are not saved into, you are not, let me put it like this, you are not saved into a single household. You are not God's only child. So when he adopts you, he adopts you as a son or daughter into a family. And yet far too often, we treat our relationship as, a, as if it's solely and utterly just this individual relationship with the Father. And yet you haven't been called into an individual relationship, you've been called into a communal relationship. And so if you want to see deeper gospel transformation happen in your life, get together with brothers and sisters and pray with one another. Read the Bible with one another. Sit down and play games with one another and talk about how God is working in your heart. Nowhere in Scripture, as at least right now, I can find where one person just says, I'm going to do this on my own. <laughs> if you want to actually look at history books, you'll see that's where heresy then usually creeps in. We are far better together at seeing gospel transformation than we are by ourselves. And if you think you can experience genuine, spirit-filled gospel transformation by yourself, then you're already losing. Next, do you want to experience gospel transformation? When you read and when you are fellowshipping with people, go out and do what the Bible actually says. 
It's the most scary yet exhilarating thing that will ever happen in your life. You read a passage on loving your neighbor or giving, just go to your neighbor's house and give them something. Just Here's a lamp. I got an extra lamp. Here's a lamp. You see a homeless person walking on the street? You're not called to be God over them. You know, this is something that I constantly am deeply convicted by. Far too often, I try to think of scenarios of, well, if I give this person 10 bucks, then they might go get crack or maybe uh, alcohol or something. And yet, I have not been called to be the judge over them. I have been called to give. God is the judge over them. And if your conscience convicts you and you really feel as if that person, or, or you just think, like, I just can't do it, I just can't do it. A friend of mine, when Therese and I lived in Louisville, used to go to Burger King and get $10 gift cards, and he would hand those out. So if you want to see gospel transformation happen in your life, just go out and serve. So this is what we are going to be marching towards. We are going to march towards gospel transformation. And here's my hope and prayer. My hope and prayer is that I can lock arms with people who want to march together towards this. My prayer is, is that not only would I be experiencing gospel transformation myself, but then as I'm coming together with everyone else that we are marching towards this goal of continuing to experience transformation by the gospel. Because the kingdom of God is at hand, right now, presently active. And as we see more gospel transformation, the kingdom of God becomes more of a reality. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you that you are the one who transforms our hearts. And you have given us the spirit to continue to help us with gospel transformation. And so I pray that you would continue to help us that you would put a deep fight in our hearts to want to see lasting, long gospel transformation. God, forgive me because my heart is so quick to turn to my old self. And so I pray for myself, I pray for the people who are here, that by the Spirit of God, we would put to death the flesh. We would continue to put to death the old people, the, the old Max, the old ourselves that tried to come out of the grave. God, we thank you for putting us, making us new, transforming us, reconciling us back to yourself. Amen.